The NCAA transfer portal window closes today, but there are still plenty of high-profile players for the Zags to chase, including a 20-point-per-game scorer who would be a perfect fit in Mark Few's backcourt. More on Andrew Taylor's fit in Spokane right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you daily reports through another offseason of Gonzaga Athletics. Well, we got a pair of transfer portal targets to discuss on today's show. It is the final day of the transfer portal window being open. So we're going to talk about a former UCLA guard and a 20-point-per-game score. We're going to close out the show talking about the Trung Twins winning the SEA Games gold medal in the three-on-three basketball tournament representing Vietnam. But first, we got to talk about Andrew Taylor. Andrew Taylor is a six-foot-three combo guard out of Corbin, Kentucky. He spent the last four seasons of his college basketball career at Marshall. We are Marshall with the herd over there. He's got one year of eligibility remaining, of course, entering the portal as a graduate transfer after four seasons with Marshall, uh, three of them in Conference USA before they transitioned out. Uh, he's been a, a transit. He's been a fantastic scorer for this team for for all four years. He has scored in double figures each of his four seasons with Marshall, and he has improved every single year as well. He began his college career as a freshman, scoring 10.1 points per game. Sophomore year, that bumped up to 12 points per game. Junior year, that bumped up to 14.2 points per game. And instead of a steady two-point bump, you'd expect it to go uh, maybe 16 points a game. Nah, he decided to throw out his steady increased production as a scorer and blew it up as a senior for Marshall in the 2022-23 season. 32 starts for Marshall that year, 37 minutes per game. Basically played every minute of the season for Marshall last year, as many as he possibly could. And for good reason, because he dropped an even 20.2 points per game. Also averaged 4.7 rebounds and 4.7 assists and 2.1 steals for good measure. Again, one of those guys that uh, would stack up the stat sheet, looking at him from a fantasy college basketball perspective, love to bring that up because I think it'd be so fun to have a fantasy college basketball league, but doing it with 360 teams, it would be tough. Uh, He had a career high in everything but rebounds last year, just a tremendous final season for him at Marshall. Uh, Not a super efficient scorer, Inside the arc, about 45% on two-pointers last year, so that'd be an area of growth for him potentially. Uh, Boosting up the mid-range game, the floater game, finishing through contact, those kind of things. Uh, He's been a pretty consistent three-point shooter throughout his career. Not elite in that area, but he was 36.5% last year. He's been 35% for his career, so decidedly above average as a three-point shooter. Again, he's not not steel venters coming in at 40% or anything like that, but still a guy who can really contribute from beyond the arc. Uh, He scored 14 or more points in every single game last season, except one. He had one really bad shooting night against Louisiana where he had seven points on three of 15 shooting every other game. Think about that. Every single other game that he played, he scored at least 14 points. That is tremendous dedication to being the go-to scorer, being the guy with the ball in his hands, playing that role. Uh, we saw some really tremendous performances from him last year. I'm not going to read all of his, all of my favorite games looking at his box scores, but the one that stood out the most, a road game against Coastal Carolina. He had 33 points, 10 rebounds, and six assists. 
Again, a guy who can do a little bit of everything, really leaned into that lead guard scoring role for Marshall last year. Taylor only recently entered the transfer portal a couple days ago as I'm recording this here on Wednesday evening. He has already received interest from a whole bunch of schools. In fact, this list that I'm going to read you right now, these are schools that contacted him within four hours of his name being in the transfer portal. Here's that list. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Indiana, Central Florida, Xavier, Auburn, LSU, Florida State, Western Kentucky, Pittsburgh, Louisville, and Memphis. So that is a list of people who contacted him within his first few hours of being in the transfer portal. Uh, he is from Kentucky. I think that is something to keep an eye on. Again, not every player goes back home or goes closer to home when they enter the transfer portal, but it is not shocking to see players do that. Kentucky themselves have not necessarily reached out here, although I think there could potentially be some interest there from the Wildcats. Uh, Louisville obviously is a program that might make some sense for him geographically as well. The great Tristan Freeman at Busting Brackets, a former host, or excuse me, former guest here on the Locked On Zags podcast. He writes, he writes lists talking about 10 or so teams that might be interested in certain transfers. They're fantastic resources for those of you who have not checked them out on Busting Brackets. Uh, his list had a lot of schools that have already reached out to Taylor, but he did list a few programs that are not on that list that I thought we'd shout out here. Florida, totally makes sense that Todd Golden would be interested here. Uh, Illinois, Iowa, Kansas State. And Penn State are all also programs that I think could make some say. Kansas State just adding Tyler Perry out of North Texas. I'm not sure if they'd go after another mid-major guard who's a similar size, but I think there could be a fit there as well, depending on if Taylor wants to play off the ball, which we'll talk about momentarily. I decided to tack a few other teams on here as well. I think Arizona and UCLA certainly could make some sense, depending on what happens with Tiger Campbell for UCLA. But Amari Bailey is gone, gone. He's uh, he's not coming back. He's in the NBA draft process. Arizona does have uh, guards that they can rely on to play that role, but I think more guards, more depth is going to help them in a significant way. Andrew Taylor is a guy who, who could, I think, really supplement what they need on that roster. So the role at Gonzaga, and this is a conversation that is always a tricky part to figure out for the Zags right now in the portal, especially as we look at some of the higher profile players that are still available in the portal is Gonzaga, they don't want to lie to anybody. They don't want to, you know, overrepresent what that playing time situation might look like, but it's hard to convince guys to come into a situation that may not be as lucrative. I, I mean, Taylor's played 37 minutes per game last year. I don't think there's a single school on this list that is offering him an opportunity to play 37 minutes a game next year. I just, I don't see it. But most of these schools are probably going to offer him a, a guaranteed starting job. And I'm not sure Gonzaga would be able to do that. I don't think Mark Few is going to move Nolan Hickman to the bench. I have seen it suggested. I have seen people who, and certainly when they add a point guard like Ryan Nemhard, you it's understandable why you would think, well, Hickman's a point guard and they added a better point guard, so isn't he going to go to the bench? Maybe, maybe. I think that sets a bad precedence. If you have a guy who you've developed for two years and you've kind of had the, the plan for him to be a backup as a freshman, a starter, as a sophomore, reverting him back to a bench. I know Hickman had his, his issues last year, his faults, you know, I, I understand that, but I think it sets a really bad precedent. And I think it would hurt Gonzaga from a future recruiting perspective. I think it would hurt Gonzaga from a transfer portal perspective. Uh, I, I think it's not worth doing unless Hickman totally does not deserve to play, which is not the belief that I have as many of you for you everyday listeners, you know that I am a strong believer in Nolan Hickman. And I think shifting to an off ball role alongside Ryan Nembhard is going to help him excel in Gonzaga's offense, but it's hard to see a six foot two, six foot three, Ryan Nembhard, a six foot three, Nolan Hickman starting. And then I don't think you also find a starting spot for Andrew Taylor, who is also six foot three. So one of those guys is going to have to come off the bench. 
It's not going to be Nemhard. I don't think it's a good idea to push Hickman into a bench role. And I have a feeling Andrew Taylor is probably not looking to go somewhere to play off of the bench. Having said that, Malachi Smith was a 20-point-per-game scorer at Chattanooga. He came to Gonzaga. He came off the bench. He won WCC Sixth Man of the Year and played a really excellent role for Gonzaga as the season went on. Could Andrew Taylor fill that role? Absolutely. Especially if Malachi Smith decides not to return to Gonzaga, I think Andrew Taylor would be a fantastic fit in that same role. Bigger bodied guard, can score at will, has shown rebounding chops, has shown some defensive instincts as a good outside shooter. I think Andrew Taylor would fit that role really well. He would have to want to do that. And that is where I think that the the conversation could stall out. If Gonzaga approached him about that, used Malachi Smith as an example, explained the role that they have in mind for him. I'm not sure he'd want to do that. Maybe he does. Maybe that would be great because, you know, you're also, hey, here's an opportunity to play big minutes on a team that's competing for a national championship. Like, that's a pretty good sell. He wasn't competing for a national championship at Marshall, but these other schools that are in this list here might be able to offer him more playing time, more consistent, guaranteed uh a more guaranteed role on the roster. And and I think that that's going to hurt Gonzaga in terms of approaching him in terms of trying to convince him to come to Spokane for his final year of eligibility. But I think the fit is really good for both sides. I'm just not sure if he's going to necessarily see it that way. I think a one-year guy makes some sense for Gonzaga if they're just trying to, to fill a gap. If Malachi Smith's not coming back, just find a guy who's got one year of eligibility, plug him in and let him go to work. But I also think there's a reasonable expectation that maybe Gonzaga should go after a guard with three or four years of eligibility remaining, a guy who they could maybe develop slowly instead of a guy who who wants to come in and play big minutes right away. If that's the direction Gonzaga wants to go with this last roster spot or one of these roster spots, depending on what happens with Malachi Smith and Anton Watson, I think there's a really, really good opportunity to add a player like that in an international prospect who just hit the portal after one year as a reserve guard at UCLA. That's Abramo Kanka. We're going to discuss him as a developmental piece for Gonzaga's backcourt after a word from today's sponsor, Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all of the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever built. You have got to try these. And if you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, then I've got just the thing for you, Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and they taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so good, you will not think that they are healthy for you. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. And I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like candy bars while maintaining amazing macros. You will not believe that they are healthy for you. They only have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get specialty flavors available at Built.com. That's right. Head your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later. Built Bar, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, folks, I want to thank each and every one of you for making Lockdown Zags your first listen of the day. 
For you everyday listeners, we're going to continue to keep you updated on Transfer Portal news going into next week. But Friday of this week is going to be an episode discussing conference realignment, a couple dream scenarios that I have for conference realignment. Of course, next week we'll get back into the Transfer Portal conversation as we see more players entering the portal in the final few days. By the time you're listening to this, the portal window might have closed, but there's going to be a ton of action in the next few days as we see players kind of figuring out what they want to do with their college basketball seasons next year. Right now, we're going to talk about another transfer portal option for Gonzaga, a player who is very different from the player we just discussed in Andrew Taylor. Andrew Taylor is a experienced veteran combo guard who would come in immediately searching for big minutes, wanting to play right away because he played 37 minutes a game last year. This other player I want to talk about, Abramo Kanka, is kind of the exact opposite. He has very little college basketball experience and would be much more of a developmental piece for Gonzaga to kind of grow and develop in the background and maybe unleash in a year or two. Kanka is a six foot six wing from Genoa, Italy. He was a three-star prospect. He was the top ranked player in the country of Italy when he committed to UCLA, I think trying to use 24-7 or on three or ESPN or anybody else, their rankings for international prospects. You kind of just got to throw them out. It's not their fault. I don't know how they could possibly try to compare players in Italy and Japan and anywhere else in Europe to players here in the United States. It's just not really feasible or possible for them to do. It's why DeMontis Savonis was considered a not top 100 prospect. Same with Rui. Same with you know pretty much all of the rest of Gonzaga's international prospect additions. So I don't really take that with this. I don't really have that mean all that much. He was the best high school player in Italy, and he went to UCLA. That probably tells you enough to, to give an indication that he's, he's, he's regarded as a potentially highly impactful basketball player. He didn't really show it in his first year at UCLA, although I don't think that was necessarily the plan. He played in 22 games for Mick Cronin and the Bruins, 5.4 minutes per night. Looks a lot like what you'd see from a Gonzaga player who only plays in garbage time. Uh, most of his production came against teams that aren't very good. He finished the season averaging one and a half points and 0.7 boards. He did shoot five of 10 from three. Not a big enough sample size to really glean a whole lot from it, especially since a lot of those came at the very end of games. But it's not nothing. I'm more encouraged by him shooting five of 10 from three than if he shot one of 10 from three. Let's put it that way. Uh, do I think he's a 50% three-point shooter? No, of course not. But there, there's something there. Six foot six guys who can shoot a little bit are definitely going to be valuable. Um he had six points in the game against Pepperdine. That was his season high, two of two from deep in that game. He had five points in the NCAA tournament against UNC Asheville, UCLA's first round game there. Uh, looking ahead to who is interested, I'm recording this just mere hours after he officially entered the transfer portal. Kanka's name came into the portal two hours later. I hit the record button here. So we have not seen a list. We have not seen a group of teams that may or may not be interested, a group of teams that have reached out, any of that stuff. Uh, it, maybe it's happening behind the scenes. Maybe it's happening right now as I'm talking to you on Wednesday afternoon, but uh, it's not something we have seen fully developed yet. But there's a lot of teams that could make some sense here. Gonzaga and Arizona make sense because they have had this affinity for international prospects in the past. So has UCLA, which is part of the reason Conca landed there in the first place. But it's hard to ignore that both Mark Few and Tommy Lloyd could be interested here. Illinois is another team that has a lot of international prospects, including a class of 2023 player, Niccolo Moretti, who is from Italy. Is that going to be a big enough driving factor for Conca to go there? 
Probably not necessarily, but it's not nothing. It's at least worth acknowledging. I think at this point, this is pretty wide open. I, I think some mid-major schools are going to get involved in trying to convince him to come to a program where he can play right away. Uh, it is also worth pointing out that Kanka is listed at 21 years of age. So he's a little bit more like Yo for Gonzaga, on the, the South Korean player, because he's not 18 the way the traditional freshman would be, or I guess he'd be 19 at this point after playing his freshman year. Uh, He's 21, maybe 22 by the time the season starts. So a little bit older prospect, which maybe curtails the vision I have for him as a Gonzaga player, as a more developmental prospect. But it's one one to keep an eye on. Again, Arizona, I think, makes some sense here because Tommy loves his international guys because Nico Mannion is from Italy, one of the more prominent Italian-American basketball players in recent memory, went to Arizona. So that's a school to keep an eye on. But I think for Gonzaga, there's an opportunity here to really kind of convince Kanka to come to the program develop behind the scenes. He might not necessarily play a big role next season, but he could be a guy. I mean, look at look Gonzaga's track record with international players is stunning. Rui Hachimura is an incredible example of a guy who spent three years at Gonzaga, blossomed into a superstar, and is now playing NBA playoff minutes for the Los Angeles Lakers. Joel Eiai's NBA career hasn't quite panned out, but three-year guy as well, sat out a year, played a small role one year, exploded into a much bigger role, and then got, I mean, has played in the NBA since then because of that. Like Gonzaga's Killian Tilly was, he was more ready to play at the college level than those two guys. He played legitimate minutes as a true freshman, but he still grew and developed and got significantly better throughout his college career as well. Gonzaga has such a rich track record. Uh, I mean, I even mentioned DeMontis Simonis. There are so many more that could be talked about here uh, in this conversation, but they have such a good track record of this that I think they can really sell a player like Kanka on coming into this program. And they have international players coming in, in Tui and Yo. They have international players they're recruiting right now. Some of those guys who are probably going to end up committing to Gonzaga in time. To me, I think this makes a ton of sense if he is willing to come into a program where he is not going to be playing even 15, 20 minutes a night. I don't think that that is necessarily what his role would be. I envision him being a fourth guard. And this is me envisioning him being a fourth guard, potentially even with Malachi Smith out the door. I think it would be a situation where Ryan Nemhard, Nolan Hickman, Dusty Stromer would all play more minutes than Kanka. He would be the fourth guard. I think he would also kind of be the backup three in a sense, he could back up Steel Venters in that role. They could play some more three-guard lineups in that situation. Again, he's 6'6", so he is a guard, but I think he's capable of playing like a, playing a bigger guard role, maybe even playing the third guard in a three-guard lineup with Nemhard and Hickman, where they're both you know a little bit smaller, but he's big enough to kind of fill that role for the Zags. I think that's kind of the general role. Sharpshooter off the bench is something that I they tend to keep in my notes of finding players who could fill that role for Gonzaga because I think it's very valuable. He has 10 career three-pointers to his name, so I don't know if we can, can you know, if, if we can rely on that necessarily being a role for him right away. But as a developmental guy, as a, hey, come in here, learn our system, learn our offense, work your butt off in practice, you get to go up against guys like Nemhard and Hickman and Venters uh, and Anton Watson and, and Graham E.K. and all those guys and learn and develop and grow and you know have other international players around you that you can kind of relate to and, and interact with and talk to. And then maybe a year from now, maybe two years from now, you're a guy that, that all of a sudden is playing 25 minutes a night that's out there doing fantastic stuff, potentially going into the NBA. There are very few programs that can offer that kind of path and prove, hey, we have done this before. Gonzaga is one of them. UCLA is one of them, but he's obviously choosing for whatever reason to leave that program at this time. Arizona is another one. 
again, I think there's going to be more schools interested here than just those three, but it's hard to not focus on Gonzaga and Arizona, knowing what we know about how those coaches love to uh, interact with and develop and grow international players in their programs. Well, the Trung Twins won a gold medal. Speaking of international Zags, they won a gold medal in the SEA Games, the Southeast Asian Games, representing Vietnam in a three-on-three women's basketball tournament. More on the Trung Twins taking home the gold and what it means for Lisa Fortier's team coming up right after this. All right, segment three, Stony Patton still locked on Zags, and we're switching over from talking about the NCAA transfer portal and a pair of guards the Zags could pursue to finish out their roster. Instead, we're going to talk about Kaylin and Kaylee Trung, the two twins on the Gonzaga women's basketball team who have been tremendous pieces for Lisa Fortier's program for the last couple of years. Kaylee won the WCC Player of the Year last year. Really, really fantastic stuff from the both of them. This is their second year in a row going over to their home country of Vietnam and representing the country in Southeast American Games, or Southeast Asian Games, let's get that right. Um, And they went out and won a gold medal. They defeated the Philippines 21-16 to in the championship game to take home that three-on-three trophy. Uh, they beat Indonesia in the semifinals 21-18. to uh, There's a handful of other games that they played. They, they, their first game was against the Philippines uh, in the pool series, and they won that one 21-19 in overtime. So that was a really close matchup for them. Um, this Again, this is their second year doing this. Last year, they spoke to KREM's Brenna Green. We had uh, some audio of that on Locked on Zags last summer talking about their experience, how exciting it was to go to a place where they were kind of revered and loved. And there were signs and there was, you know, Vietnamese fans, um, you know, younger kids, students who were so excited to see them and, and kind of made them feel like they were influential, like they really kind of had this impact on women's basketball in the country of Vietnam. And that's extremely cool. Like I, I can't imagine doing something that I love and having an entire country of people be like looking up to me and supporting me in that. And for Vietnam, a country that really hasn't, doesn't have a ton of basketball uh, background, not a lot of basketball history and, and really not a lot on the women's side as well for them to be these kind of figures, these important this important part of Vietnamese women's basketball history, like a key part of it is something that nobody can ever take away from them. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that no matter what happens for the rest of their careers, whether they, they do well at Gonzaga this year, whether they fall off, that's very unlikely, depending what happens with their professional careers after this, you know, I, I don't think that they're likely lined up for WNBA careers just because the WNBA is really hard to make because of how small the rosters are and how few teams there are, but they're going to have successful international playing careers. And, and no matter what, they're going to be two of the most impactful Vietnamese women's basketball players of all time. And that is, again, that is something that I can't even imagine them striving towards. And it's something that is very cool for them to get that honor, to get that experience, uh, for them to be healthy. Kaylee Trung didn't play very much last year. So for her to be getting healthy and getting the opportunity to to kind of get back into game shape and get back into, you know, three on three is different than five on five, but still game action is game action and getting back into that spot as they prepare for their final season uh, with the women's basketball team next year. I, I think this is a really, really cool opportunity. And and it's the second group of Gonzaga women's players to participate in a three-on-three tournament. We talked earlier this week and last week, I believe, about the the Team USA. There was a Colorado Springs uh, three-on-three tournament that took place there with a lot of other women's basketball programs. Tennessee was there. Creighton was there. Duke was there. And Gonzaga was there too. Brenna Maxwell, Vonnie Ejim, 
Esther Little, Callie Stokes, all four of them participated in this three-on-three tournament. They uh, finished seventh in the grouping. They won. A, they went three and one. They beat Creighton, who ended up actually winning the entire thing. Uh, they ended up losing to Duke in the semifinals or in the quarterfinals. But I think it's really cool that they have this opportunity to do that. And I'm kind of fascinated by the fact that now six of Gonzaga's key contributors for next year, like all, all six of these, these women are going to play a big role on this team next year. They all now have gained this experience playing three on three basketball. Three on three is different than five on five. And I, I'm just, I mean, obviously it's not like a weekend of playing three on three basketball is going to really change anything, but as they kind of continue to get familiar playing with each other, continue to grow that relationship like your relationship on the basketball court is really impactful and important uh, and for the women's team one of the biggest things we've talked about this offseason for them heading into next year is continuity because they're returning so much talent the only significant loss they've suffered so far is Michaela Williams who was a starter last year entered the transfer portal and went out to Cal but for the most part they're going to re- return 90 something percent of their minutes and their production from last year. And now they're continuing to play together in the off season as well. I think you got to be excited if you're coach 48 about what this means for this team, the camaraderie, the collusion, the uh, just overall relationship that they're continuing to develop as players, um, as friends, as you know, family, all of that stuff and getting to do so uh, for the trunk twins, getting to do so while representing their home country uh, while taking home a gold medal is just beyond cool. It's a really, really exceptional opportunity for them. I'm so happy for them. I'm excited for them. I'm looking forward to getting an opportunity, uh, whether it's me or somebody else in the Spokane media to get a chance to kind of talk to them and learn about what this experience was like, because I think it's it's something really, really cool that no matter what happens for the rest of their college career or basketball career in general, again, nobody can ever take this away from them. Right, well, that is going to do it for me today. Friday, we're going to have an episode talking about conference realignment. Uh, spoiler alert, I am going to record that here very shortly because I'm going to be out of town on Thursday and Friday. So the last day of the transfer portal is stuff we will cover on Monday going into next week. If there are any big players, big updates that happen there, just know that it won't be in Friday's episode, but we will cover that stuff as soon as next week right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Again, available wherever you find your podcast. It is also available on YouTube if you have not done so yet. Just go to youtube.com, search Locked on Zags, hit that big red subscribe button. We're getting closer and closer to 1,700 subscribers, an unimaginable number to me. So I want to thank every single one of you who has done that and encourage all of you everyday listeners who haven't to go do so when you get the chance. All right, thank you all for listening. And as always, go Zags.